Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Today, changing the pace just a little bit on the podcast. Going to do a solo episode because I really want to share with you something that I've been working on for as the 1313 Club develops. I mean, we do our 1313 streams every month, the 13th of the month. This one is going to be on February 13th, date night at Disneyland. But one of the many things that I want to be able to do when I create the online community that you'll soon be able to join and become a part of is I want to find a way to have community access to the content. Now, Wednesdays will always be the podcast, business as usual. And Monday through Thursday over on YouTube, I'll be doing Disneyland videos about news when there is breaking news to talk about. I'll be doing my live streams once a week. Normally, every Tuesday, I go live at the park. And by the way, I've already been to the park today. <laughs> I came home and I recorded. I was down at downtown for four hours this morning. I uh, had to switch around my schedule a little bit, and I was lucky enough to discover that the transformation of the Rainforest Cafe into the Star Wars trading post, it has already begun. And I went live, did a live stream to celebrate that with everybody, and the live stream, we'll say today, uh, had a couple of magic moments in it, and hopefully you'll watch it and I won't spoil it for you. But one of the things I'm trying to establish is every Friday, I've always wanted to do a Disneyland news show. Now, I love doing the standalone videos. I did a massive video this Monday breaking down the new annual pass program that they're already flirting with some of us through the AP survey that's gone out. Now, me, I'm on a what I discovered, a long list of people that for whatever reason, Disneyland refuses to send me emails out of all the companies that spam me. I can't get Disneyland to spam me. I can't get an AP email to save my life. So luckily, I'm a Disneyland news hound, and I always get the scoop elsewhere. But it'd be so nice if it just showed up in my inbox, Mr. Potrock. But essentially, I broke down, okay, they announced a week ago the AP program is sunsetting, and I believe there was a very positive but hidden message in that statement a lot of people just went off the deep end. A lot of people reacted emotionally because of what the annual pass means to us. I did a video that was a little bit more calmer, sort of broke down. Guys, they're just rebooting the system. Nothing to freak out about. But I believe there was such an avalanche of bad media, bad press, that one week later, Ken Potrock, uh, president of Disneyland, is doing an interview with the OC Register, sort of calming everybody's nerves that there's something new that's coming and what they're trying to focus on. And then... The Disneyland survey starts going out about out of this page. What would you buy? What, what are you intended to purchase? What do you want? So it's a very interesting week in that, hey, it's going away. And then, oh, just kidding. It's coming back. So I sort of try to break down what the new pass system is going to look like. But also the interesting fact that they do not want to lose 1 million customers. So within a week's time, the olive branch was already extended and I feel bad for them because bad news travels so much faster than good news. And every headline, and I look at nearly every Disneyland headline to get all the news for my content has been about Disney cancels the AP program. Disneyland annual pass holders are out and the rage against pass holders. It's real. I've been called a pass hole so much this week by people that are ready to dance on the grave of the AP program. But to them, I say, we're back. We're back. The cockroaches of Disneyland will never go away. We will keep returning over and over and over again. But the point is, is I love doing the standalone Disney videos when there's a big breaking news story. But that doesn't always happen, and producing videos is quite hard. And I also love doing a weekly update, taking you through the park, showing you everything that's new. I've been trying to perfect that format during these quiet times so I can easily handle it during the much louder and noisier times that I hope aren't too far off on the horizon. So my big dream, my big idea was every Friday, wouldn't it be nice to get together and do a weekly Disneyland news hour where I break down five, six things that happen throughout the week. Like right now, it's the end of my Tuesday. It's the beginning of your Wednesday, hopefully, if you're listening in the morning. And we know we've got a rethemed Jungle Cruise. That opens up such a big conversation about Disney going through the park and trying to get every attraction on the right side of history. We also last week had a little bit of a drop on web slingers. 
maybe to put out a little bit of the AP fire, but I don't know. There just wasn't enough there for me to sink my teeth into it. But the idea is once a week, every Friday, get together and talk about the Disneyland news. What happened in the last week? And the reason why I went with the 13th hour is not only am I trying to brand 1313, but the 13th hour is from science fiction. It's it's a literature um, uh, term that if you ever hear a clock strike 13 times, then you must go back and question all the other chimes. Why did the clock ring 13 times? It's impossible. Therefore, everything goes into question. And I love the idea of getting together at 1 o'clock every Friday, looking back on the week with folks on a live stream over on YouTube and just looking at the news stories. But by doing it live, I have the comment section in front of me, and I have a way to allow you to talk about the news with me. And then moving forward, once 1313 becomes a real thing, I have a couple of very creative ideas how members of the club, the community, can join me, either through a Zoom call that I have patched in or through a private phone line that I will give out or through a separate text thread that I'll have on screen. Because the best thing about talking about Disneyland News is talking about it with a friend. So what I wanted to do today, uh, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to explain to you what the 13th hour is. I want to let you know that it happens each and every Friday at 1 p.m. Disneyland time over on YouTube. It is live most Fridays. So if you're there on the chat, you can hang out with me. But moving forward, I'm trying to figure out a way where sometimes in some format or another, you can be my co-host. I thought today I would drop the FAQ that I did last week or the AMA, Ask Mark Anything, where a lot of people asked me some really bright questions, not a lot of dumb questions. I went through and edited this up so it'd be nice and tight and you wouldn't get caught up in anything that you couldn't visually see and keep the fun spirit in there, but all the questions. I just want to give you a little bit of a taste of what the 13th hour is like and talking about Disneyland news with a rad, rad community. Now, this one was people asking me questions, which played really well for the radio because normally I bring a deck of images so you can see what I'm talking about. Like this Friday, I will have all the provided Jungle Cruise artwork, maybe a couple of other things, so we can have a presentation deck while we're speaking. But this one works well on the radio. I just want to kind of give you the vibe of how you can hang out Friday afternoons, get your weekend started early, but if you happen to miss it, you can always watch it later over on my YouTube channel, which is Adventures in Design, and coming up soon when you become a member of 1313, this will be a secondary podcast that you will get every week. Only members get the podcast version of this, and also the podcast version, I'll probably drop a little bit of bonus content on there because I always like to reward members of my communities that are supporting all my content. So there's a little bit of an explanation where we're at, but there's some really interesting and fun Disneyland questions coming up this way. And uh, I take every question very, very serious. I, I don't blow off any question. I get down to the detail on every little thing. So friend, what do you say? Hang out, listen to today's episode, and please consider joining me one of these Fridays live and be a part of the conversation or try to catch the replay and know that for getting 1313 going, that the 13th hour, our weekly news talk show, is something that I'm incorporating to add more value, more content, and a way for your voice to be heard so that this isn't just, you know, a content creator making content. I'm really trying to build a community. And how can it be a community if I'm the one that's always doing all the talking? So I want you to be in the conversation as much as possible because, friend, I appreciate you showing up each and every day because none of this would be possible without me, but also not possible without you. It's the 13th hour on Disneyland for Designers, episode 52. Enjoy. Look, it's Disneyland. Since it was a quiet Disney week, let's do a AMA, a ask me anything, or shall I say, ask Mark anything. And uh, we can talk about whatever you want, because really the only things that broke that we have seen the uh, mentioned that the uh, Rainforest Cafe is going to get transformed over into a Star Wars store. I've been hitting the ground, really running on some theories about how that could manifest and what that could really mean or indicate for the rest of downtown Disney as we're going into, you know, the post-COVID stage, hopefully eventually uh, later on this year with Disneyland. And then the other thing that broke this week is they gave us a little bit of a teaser 
on what we should expect with web slingers uh, trying to get a little bit of good news out after last week's horrible news about the annual pass program. So there just wasn't an insane amount going uh, to, to talk about. And one of the things I found interesting was the, the, the Spider-Man drop. There just, there wasn't enough there for me to sink my teeth into. So let me see here. I'm going to go ahead and take my uh, first question that I, I see up here on the board. And uh, when you hear that screenshot sound, that means that I have <laughs> taken one over here. Okay, so it looks like our first question here comes from Drew says, have you been to any other Disney theme parks worldwide? And if so, what's your favorite? So I have been blessed enough to make it out to Disneyland Paris, which I have to say, Disneyland Paris was absolutely beautiful. But then again, so was Paris. So it's interesting to be ambitious enough to build something in that city that uh, has the deepest of architectural roots, sort of, you know, the world's most beautiful city to put a Disney park in there. Uh, very ambitious goal. And I think that Tony Baxter and the crew really lived up to that goal. But I will tell you, Drew, and I've said this before over on Disneyland for Designers, what Paris missed, which is what Disneyland has is that culture, right? That that culture of now generations have taken their children to Disneyland. The way that Disneyland is woven into the fabric of Southern California, I didn't get that until I moved here. I've been seeing a lot of um, annual pass rage, and I'm not talking annual pass holders that are like, I can't believe my pass is canceled. A lot of people that are like, I'm from out of town, good riddance, AP people, you ruin the park. I think that's a sad perspective because what those people don't understand is how Disneyland is very specially settled in to where we all live. So when I went to Disneyland Paris, um, I thought it was beautiful. The footprint was so nice and spacious. Their Big Thunder Mountain looked like a mirage. It looked like a dream sitting in its own body of water. The Fantasyland had so much extra space and little bonus corridors. The castle is, I think, the best Disney castle. I mean, ours has so much history and nostalgia tethered to it. But as far as just basing them on design, the Paris castle is, I believe, the superior castle. But what it lacked was that culture, that that feeling. And so I'll say this. Been to Disneyland over 550-something times now. Uh, have felt a little bit of magic leak about 550 times now. Paris, one visit, no tears. And I really let my heart guide me on making that decision on just like, I'm here I'm excited to be here. It's an amazing time hanging out with my best friend who's from England and, and being with his wife on the edge of them having their first child. Like this is definitely a moment in time we'll never get back to, but uh, yeah, it's kind of cold and I'm ready to head back into the city. So uh, that's, that's where I've been and my thoughts on that. Ah, here's a good one from my bud, Joe Frock. Okay, Joe says, do you think that they will do a Star Wars themed dining experience with the new retail building? Now, Joe, that gets into a really interesting area. And I, I want to make sure that I'm not misleading folks. When I'm talking about that, I believe that downtown Disney could become third gate light. Now, I, I, of course, you guys know that I don't even pretend to think that they would build an attraction outside of the park. I think what they're going to do is this. And I was talking about this with somebody else who left a really cool comment on one of my videos. Uh, and I appreciate everybody who's watched this week. Uh, the channels got off to a very slow start this year. The numbers have been very depressing, but I, I forge on in a time when nobody seems to care about Disneyland. Uh, what I believe they're going to do with downtown Disney is this. Everybody knows the bar that is inside the parks. And I'm not talking about Ogus Cantina. I mean the bar that has been set, the status quo of what we all expect for anything inside of Disneyland, whether it's a store, whether it's a restaurant, or whether it's an attraction or a show. So we all know that the standard that is the Disneyland standard. Now, we also know where downtown Disney lies. It is very, very subpar, that standard. And with good reason, you got to give people uh, an encouragement to spend now a buck 50 to go inside of the park for the day or to buy an annual pass. So everything outside of the park is Disney-ish, but it's not what it is inside the park. So I think, Joe, what they might do if they were to do a dining experience 
inside the Rainforest Cafe, if they were to do a Star Wars cantina or a dining experience, I don't think that it's impossible. But what I think that our expectations to be is, let's say this, this is always hard. It's like weatherman. If this is the standard of, if this is the standard of Disney and this is the standard of downtown Disney, we should expect to be somewhere in the middle, right? Like there is room to make downtown Disney experiences better than what they are now but to not cross the threshold, which is inside the park. So if they were to do a restaurant, my expectations would be, it'll be awesome. It'll be amazing, but it wouldn't be at an Oga, Oga's Cantina type level because then they're fighting against themselves. If people feel like they don't need to buy a, a pass or a ticket, then it defeats the purpose of what they're trying to do. However, where my logic is, is there's going to be a lot of people for a while that are iced out of the parks, giving people a very solid, a very solid, it's not the real thing, but it's close. I believe that's the target that they're going to try to hit. So I do think a restaurant or a bar could be possible because the infrastructure is there, the space is there, definitely the fan desire is there, but let's just get our expectations on be happy with what it is and and not do a lot of complaining. Like it's no Oga's cantina. Well, of course not. Oga's cantina is inside the promised land. You know, this is a very, very different thing, but uh, excellent question, Joe. I appreciate that. Andrew says question. What's different between 2020 and 2021. Your content for AID Disneyland has taken what I feel is another level in the last few weeks. Uh, so my content strategy for this new year is this Disneyland is not on the radar. Like we're not even talking about the, when the park reopens anymore. I feel that a lot of the popular um, vlogging podcast, YouTube community has kind of deserted the parks. They're moving on to other things to keep the, the clicks going. Because if you look at the search quarries for Disney content, it's way, way, way down. So what I'm trying to do as the smallest creator in the space but a fortunate creator because it is my full-time job with the success of my podcast, uh, Adventures in Design, the AID Network, is I'm trying to really come in and keep the torch alive. I'm trying to tell the story when there's not a new story to tell. Like This is the hardest time in the history of the Disney parks to tell the story because people are depressed, people are fatigued, and there's not a, that new, new drop of like, hey, I want to stand next to the new sandwich and get... 10,000 clicks. So my objective is with the podcast is I'm now doing it a little bit differently where the first part of the podcast is me doing the book report of, of that episode. Uh, in the past, I had all my notes in front of me, but when you're having an organic conversation with one of my amazing guests, sometimes you can just sort of get off the beaten path of, of those notes and it's hard to get over there. So with the Tomorrowland episode and this past week's episode, the 50th episode of Disneyland for Designers, Sleeping Beauty's Castle. I've really tried to make the first opening that I do solo be not necessarily the fun facts and, and all the hidden secrets of Tomorrowland or Sleeping Beauty's Castle, because I've come to realize that many of you are insanely smart. You love this topic so much of Disneyland and you already know all the little fun facts. So I've been trying to now go into an even different space than a lot of other creators and a different space for myself. And I'm trying to actually take it upon myself to tell the emotional story of Disneyland. So to talk about Tomorrowland in a way of once it was the most uh, best design land in all of Disneyland, but that time has passed. And I asked, do we really need to keep trying to predict the future because we live in a moment where we're on the razor's edge of technology. Uh, and then with this past week, Sleeping Beauty's Castle, like I tried to do the impossible. I tried to use words to explain how that, that structure feels to us. It's the most emotional structure in all of the park. Uh, what it symbolizes is so much larger than Disneyland or the corporation or Walt Disney. And so, yeah, I am taking a little bit of a, a content shift, but then over on the YouTube channel, I'm trying to come up with a, a rhythm of, you know, a live stream from the park every Tuesday, a weekly park update. And even though there's not a lot of news right now, what I would like for you to take away from my efforts is I'm creating a template. I'm creating a format. So when the world gets crazier and the world gets busier, I can make this content happen super fast so that when you are ready to hear one of these news 
videos where I can give you all the news that I've got that down to an efficient release. When something happens out at the park, I can film it, edit it, and get it back to you in a fast time. Like right now, I'm trying to make a relationship with my audience that I am a trusted, level-headed Disneyland reporter, and I'm also getting down my um, creative workflow efficiencies so that when things start buzzing, I've already put in my 10,000 hours and I'm ready to go there and do that for you. And I also, and this is sincere, I hope that when the park pops and all the other folks come back, I hope you will remember the channels that kept the torch alive when there wasn't a lot to keep alive. A quick question that I don't need to put on the screen. Favorite bench outside of Main Street? Um, I go in spells with where I like to sit in the park. I'll give you a couple of my favorite ones. I love to lurk on the Hungry Bear patio, looking over the trail there below. I love to sit on the planters or the picnic tables right out of Docking Bay 7 in between um, the uh, antiquities shop there. I also really enjoy sitting in Fantasia Gardens, which is the old motorboat dock. I like sitting there. But I was really enjoying right when the park closed, the way that they put in the tropical hideaway, there's now a very quiet, chill spot on the, the side deck, the side porch of the uh, Tiki room. And I love chilling there because you get this awesome view. You know, Adventureland is very narrow, but it's it has that sort of flickering light vibe that Disney does so well. So you can sit on that little area and you can just kind of watch the traffic come at you. Right now, my current favorite bench is I I go to the park. I film everything that I need to film for the channel. And then I end up as far as you can get into DCA, which is, you know, the rope off area of uh, Hollywood Boulevard there in Hollywood land. And there's like that last bench normally next to a security guard. And I normally sit there, talk to the security guard for a little bit. Cause I feel bad for them because they have nothing to do other than tell people, uh, keep your mask on during your photos and newsflash your nose as part of your face. And so I will, Talk to the security guard for a little bit so they know that I'm not a weirdo or a threat. And then I'll just sit on that bench until it's time to turn the camera on and do the live stream or go find a location to go live from. So those are my favorite benches. So, yes, I have a detailed answer for anything that you may ask me. Scott says, I'd love to see the new growth of the Western end of downtown Disney. Have you heard or seen any rumors of the AMC or ESPN zone? No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything about those buildings actually getting turned into anything. I, I don't think that we'll hear anything about that until we actually see the star Wars transformation happen. I feel like everything that Disney's doing right now is test and wait, test and wait. So I feel like ESPN zone and AMC, they're really nice pieces of property. And if you look at them from above and maybe it's time to do a video to break down how much real estate is there, each of them are adjacent to parking lots and these parking lots, um, they're not worth that much as parking goes. Yeah. Their proximity is really close, but spots per lot is, is a pretty low equation and what that real estate is like if they were to make downtown Disney a, a, upside down T or a T shape, I guess, if you're looking at it from the East, uh, what if it were to flank out like the old hotel was? So if you look at the AMC, there's enough room in there to not just make like a straight back road, but actually do like a horseshoe shaped village where there could be lots of little different experiential things to do. And then the same thing with the footprint behind the ESPN zone, that parking lot sitting over there. So Scott, I think where we're at right now is let's study and get excited that we have something new to track, which is the Rainforest Cafe transformation. Let's see how that goes off. And let's hope that Disney, you know, feels confident that they can do something else. But I think the big takeaway, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, is the fact that they are going into the Rainforest Cafe, even though it's not going to be like a major overhaul. They are getting Imagineers involved. There is some theming that's going on. It does mean that everything in the footprint of the old hotel for the first time is back into play. And and to me, that is the huge win, Scott, that that land seemed like a no man's land that they literally had just bookmarked for better days. Well, it seems like that bookmark is getting called upon on a worse day where they try to you know need to better up downtown Disney, offer more experiences because the fact that they're able to live right now off of uh 
off of retail only and what they have to offer. It's a pretty crazy dynamic. So thank you so much for that question. My man, Raymond, who I was fortunate enough to meet when I was out filming one of these crazy videos. Oh, if you just click on it, it updates. Bam. Now we're getting somewhere. Raymond says, Break Disneyland into convenient but not rigid 10-year increments, 55 to 65, 65 to 70. Any quick thoughts on 2020 to 2030? Will it be the flavor of the day at the expense of forgetting its roots? Wow, what a great question. And actually, Raymond, are you reading my mind? Because I was seriously thinking about when I was um, trying to sleep last night because my dogs were just being such pains in the butt. For those of you that have gone beyond dog and gone into kid, you are, you are much tougher than me. I, I don't know how you do it, but the idea that I was thinking about Raymond, which you're exactly hitting upon is maybe doing an intellectual sort of map out of where do you see following all trends? Where do we see 21 going? What does 22 look like now? Industry insiders, the people that loan Disney their money and uh, evaluate their stock price, they believe 2025 is the year where the park comes back with bigger numbers than 2019. And we all know 2019 was literally the end of uh, this renaissance that the park was having that I believe was fueled by social media and the decay of traditional retail. I'll explain real quick. Social media has created this FOMO society and there is nothing that generates more FOMO than putting up a pic, showing yourself at Disneyland uh, defined as the happiest place on earth, but also this escapism from the real world. So whenever people can put up a photo or a post or a YouTube video or a TikTok from Disneyland, it just says to everybody I'm living my best life, which is exactly kind of where culture was going in 2019 before this cold, rude awakening. Now the deterioration of standard retail, the malls are dying. Shopping is dying due to online. You know, everybody's like Walmart's coming to town and it's ruined middle of America. Well, what Amazon's doing makes Walmart look like chump change. And so you have this moment where people don't shop like they used to. The, the mall is decaying and dying and theme parks represent a new experiential way to go out and to live your life, to do some sort of entertainment recreation, a way to spend your money, a way to have fun, a way to enjoy things with your friends. I know they've been there forever, but you cannot deny that if you look at the growth of theme parks with the growth of social media and also the decay of retail, that's a pretty strong argument that those two things are growing in one direction while the third is dying. So to get to your point, 2020 to 2030, I believe that 2020 to 2024, 25 will all be reactionary for survival. And then I think that that next five years in this decade, when the money is flowing again, everything that is planted and built will be based on that new template of everything that we're learning right now. So will attractions still have, pre-shows you know will we still like go into a room and hang out with hondo before we get on the falcon like how they flow people through the park what we think about um capacity i know raymond you're um from the medical world you understand how this is going to change everything you know from the safety and uh, public health concerns for a very very long time i mean this is way more severe than 9-11 and now we all have to take off our shoes so I believe that the first half of the decade will be the learning process. And then the second half will be taking those hard lessons and, and putting them into play. I do believe, though, that with the amount of technology we have, with where people are going and how these years of hardcore defined sadness will manifest into people wanting to get back to living their best life, uh, I do believe there will be a major, major boom on the backside of this decade. And I think we will see some really phenomenal stuff start to mature around 2028, 29. So it might actually take 2029 to get back to 2019, where we're seeing a year that is laid out with new lands, new marquee attractions. And I think all of this stuff will be 
based on the architecture of what we've learned over the last couple of years. Just all a big guess. All just a big guess. Who knows? I'm going to take this one from my bud, Jeff Pike. Jeff Pike says, I am curious on entertainment in the park will return. It's such a big part of our experience, and I'm thinking it could be a couple of years till we get back to the level entertainment pre-COVID. So I have an interesting theory about entertainment in the park. So much of Disneyland, because of its tight corridors, was designed to be a vertical display. Like whenever you go into a store, always look up. Whenever you're walking through a land, always look up because they know there's going to be a sea of bodies on the ground level. So it's really the second and third floor's duty to do the storytelling, the theme and where we're at. Now, the, the benefit of this is, is that we have lots of areas that are accessible to cast members, but not the gin pop. So Jeff, I think that we will see entertainment be much more uh, flash mob, you know, like little installments, little conversations between characters, little special things that 30, 50 people, uh, 100 people see while they're in the corridor of Adventureland. Or let's start using those bridges and balconies that are all around the galaxy's edge. You know, Marvel's Avengers Campus is designed for a lot of the superhero story to happen up on those higher tiers. I mean, the flying Spider-Man is a sign of the times so that when everybody needs to get that pick, everybody needs to get that crucial content. The best way to make it accessible to all is to put it up on a higher sight line. So I think that we'll see a lot of that. Now, what your concern is, and I understand your concern. What about the Phantasmics? What about the, you know, the fireworks? What about beautiful parades like paint the night or magic happens? That is going to be a very interesting problem for Disney to figure out because we need to be in a very highly vaccinated, well-adjusted society to where we can earn those privileges back. I just can't see them being away forever. I, I really can't. I do agree with you, though, um, that it will be a few years before we get there. But dare I say... As magical as these parades are, and when you come in from out of town, if you can see, you know, magic happens, like, wow, that was amazing. We got to see it. For the locals and the hardcore, Mickey's Soundsational was the same thing for a decade plus. These smaller, more intimate performances might give us a way to see things that are rare, that are moments in time versus a scripted, well-manicured performance, such as something like Fantasmic that I absolutely adore. Um, but going back to Raymond's question, I think that we will find a way as a society to reconstruct what some of these things can look like in a way where we can adjust attendance. We can adjust the speed of things where we can adjust the vantage point of how many people can see them. I definitely believe that drone technology is in its way to be in, in the park. So just like we've learned to use, um, the second floor to tell the story. It'll be interesting to see how we use everything above the buildings and in the skyline so that more people can tell the story. You know, is there a way where, uh, as we re-sculpt Tomorrowland and Adventureland in these various areas, like, you know, they've done a lot in the last couple of years to allow you to see now the, the fireworks displays from the rivers of America, from main street, from in front of sleeping beauty's castle, from it's a small world, you know, dispersing, uh, everybody's needs to see it in a different spot versus everybody has to be in front of the castle. So yeah, it's going to be a very interesting transformation, but I think that if there's anybody that can figure this out, it's that creative team. Yeah. Lauren says, uh, Walt Disney world just announced, I'm going to put this up here because Lauren is um, reading my mind. Lauren says, Walt Disney world just announced that their festival of the lion King show is back in the summer. So it'll be interesting to see how they modify shows. I think really the thing that we can all do as big lovers of Disneyland is become students of Disney world because in many ways they're showing us our future, but where you got to be cautious is, is the amount of space that they have. The flexibility, flexibility of the footprint of Walt Disney world can give us some very misleading cues on what to expect here. Because my favorite fun fact about comparing the two parks even though we have more attractions in our Magic Kingdom, uh, their monorail track runs 25 miles long. Our monorail track runs two and a half miles long, give or take. So you really see this difference of size. 
so yeah, there is a lot that we can learn from looking at our brothers and sisters out on the East Coast, but also a lot that we have to be ready to adjust just because they are so different. Um, the Variety Show says in 2008, they used to have an Indiana Jones running around looking for an artifact and fighting bad guys. More things like that would be cool in 2021. Uh, Variety Show, that is exactly the type of thing that I was uh, thinking about when I was giving my answer because I remember, uh, what was that guy called? It was the something thief that Indy would fight around on the balconies of Adventureland. And when I saw that, I'm like, man, it's too bad they don't do stuff like that anymore. So I think that we'll be able to see a lot more like very focused storytelling for that land. And, and that will be fun, but it will be nice to get back to the, the big emotional moments like Fantasmic or um, Disneyland Forever, which was my fire, favorite fireworks display. I love that so, so much. Federalist says, without spoilers, do you think the trackless rides will stand the test of time? Indiana Jones slash Splash Mountain have set a high benchmark for lasting, but they have uh, physical excitement. Okay, so trackless rides are awesome. And the way, where no spoilers, my party and your party can board at the exact same time. But because we're now trackless, I can go on storyline A. And you can go on storyline B. And maybe the people behind us can experience storyline C. So they're really cool in the fact that they're trackless. You're free. You're free to roam around and see a different version of a story. Uh, also, when we look at attractions uh, overseas, it gives the ability for everybody to kind of come into one room and to see one magical moment and then disperse in a way that they've never been able to do before. But trackless will not be the 100% wave of the future because it is also limited to the only movement you're going to get is the base of your cart. Now, Indiana Jones is special because it's the one-two punch. You have the track that you're riding on, which can give you all kinds of G-force and bumps and, and turn you around. But then the car is also a moving platform and stage. So even though you're going up and down, the car can rock you left to right, which gives you all kinds of sensory overload that makes you feel like, Watch out for that boulder. It's going to smash you. I believe it'll depend on the footprint of the attraction. It'll depend on the story that they're trying to tell and the budget. I, I, I We will still have hard-carded attractions. We will still have um, these trackless ones. But I think each one serves a purpose for the exact type of story that Imagineering is trying to tell. I don't see it going one way or the other. And that is the fun part of going to Disneyland. When you take somebody new there, you can be like, oh, this one's an Omnimover, or this one's a floating boat ride, or, or this one's more like a traditional roller coaster. So I think that it'll just really depend on how they want to tell the story. And um, does that story need a lot of moving pieces and flexibility, or is it a quick story that's all about the thrill? But yeah, that, that's a good question. Do you think Disney will open Main Street for shopping? And if they did, do you think they would charge? And how much do you think they would charge? So Liz, this is just based on my own instincts. I don't think, I could be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. But to give you my most honest opinion, I don't see them opening Disneyland during the pandemic. We are months away from the vaccines really, really rolling. I watch all these press conferences to try to stay up to date on information. Dr. Fauci said yesterday that he believes that sometime this summer and early fall, we could be at 70 million Americans vaccinated, which would mean if this summer we got to 70 million Americans vaccinated, that somewhere in this fall, we would start to see life return to what felt like normal. If Disney has weathered the storm this long on keeping Disneyland proper closed, I don't see them opening it up for shopping. Buena Vista Street brought in a lot of people in the beginning. It is, It fell off each and every week afterwards. It fell off severely when food and beverage was removed. And I, I just have this gut feeling that because Disneyland is the icon, 
It is the classic. It is Walt's Park. It's this magical thing that the company really reveres. There's so much more they could do with DCA. Like they've only scratched the surface on what they can do for DCA. And in many ways, at its 20th anniversary next month, this is DCA's time to shine. This is DCA now creating its own history, separate of Disneyland. And I believe a lot of us are going to have a new affection towards what's always been revered as like, well, it's the second best park. And it will always be the second best park. But right now, it's the park that's nearest and dearest to our hearts. So I feel like this is a real moment for DCA to begin to pull away from its big brother and 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 find its own footing and tell its own story. There's so much more left inside of DCA that we could explore, that we could be offered. And if they are six months away from opening, I just don't see them opening the gates of Disneyland because what you're right about, Liz, is you have to charge for people to go into Disneyland. You cannot make walking inside the gates of Disneyland free. So then what does that look like? How does that media rollout work? And also Disneyland, it's not built for these times. It's built for 1955. Main Street USA is incredibly narrow. You would probably have to take traffic down one way, make people go out of the overflow. I, I just, you know, Knott's Berry Farm reacted quickly because they could, because they don't, even though they're the oldest park, they don't have that same nostalgia and legacy that Disney projects as their brand. That Disney's brand is, we're the best. Um, they didn't invent theme parks, but they definitely reinvented our expectations of theme parks. Disneyland is a sacred site. I just, I don't see them opening it. And I also beg them, please don't open it. Let's get back in there as a reward that we weathered this storm. Because so many moments in your life, like, well, it'll be better by Christmas. And it wasn't. It'll be better by my birthday. And it wasn't. It'll be better by 4th of July. It'll be better by New Year's. And it wasn't. So all these milestones that you keep coming up to, they're just disappointing and sad. Don't you want your first time that you go through the tunnel on the right to be a celebration that you and your citizens and your society weathered the storm on a once in a 100 year pandemic. And now you're not going in there because you need to adjust the bottom line. You're going in there because we earned it. So maybe I'm putting too many emotions into my response, but if I was on the board, I would say we got a lot of DCA. We got a lot of downtown. Like, I mean, I could even see a way where you could run uh, a food festival up and down the, the, the tram path. I mean, there's so much space outside of Disneyland that they could do some really memorable stuff with that I don't think that you need to touch it. Excellent question. I think that's a lot of things that people have been thinking about. My boy Federalist says, do you have any tips for booking a VIP tour? Best time of year, morning or night, party size, etc." Well, if you're being serious... The VIP tour is, it's sizable. It's a sizable expense. Um, I would say, let me think about this. Any Best time of year, morning or night, party size. Well, the thing is, is I think you're allowed to have up to 10, it's eight or 10, I think it's 10 people that you can have on a tour. Obviously, the least amount of people you have that is affordable for you. If you're like divvying it up as couples would give you a little bit of a faster pace to go through. Um, but I think whether it's, you know, they like to run the tours during the daytime. I think you have to kind of be like celebrity level to book only an evening one. Um, that's just my guess. So I think they try to run them during the day, but here's the thing about a tour guide. It doesn't really matter what else is happening in the park. Cause when you're on a VIP tour, you're in your own bubble. You know, you're going to just, you're going to go everywhere at a pace that you've never, ever experienced Disneyland before. This is one of my all-time best visits. But I think the best tip I could give you for a tour, which you haven't asked here, is you need to make sure that you explain to the person that you're booking your, your tour with, what are your concerns? Do you want an informed tour guide that can teach you history 
and, and take you into sacred spaces and explain that to you? Are you doing a tour because you and your family are, or, or your friends are thrill seekers and you want to crush as many rides as you can. So you're willing to spend thousands of dollars to go through the park at a faster pace. These tours are curated for your interest level. So I would say that if you were going to get together with a handful of other couples or, or your family was going to pile money together, or maybe you just have, you know, the, uh, the means to just buy it outright and, and, you know, five grand for a day is not a big, big deal for you. And I don't even know if it's five. I, I was gifted because it is outside of my financial means. But the best thing that I have learned by being friends of, what I think is an amazing VIP tour guide, uh, one of the best in the industry, uh, one of the leaders in this great ritual at Disneyland is you need to inform them what your interest level is, what kind of expectations you have for a tour guide. So it is the squeaky wheel gets the grease and Federalist. I've been asking your questions on live streams now from this summer on you, my friend are a squeaky wheel and you will know how to get that grease. So if you're going to go for one of these, just be you baby. And you will get the absolute best tour possible. And I mean that with all love and admiration because I love your questions. Uh, Veronica says, didn't know you could make the request, make it more personal. Good to know. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that a lot of people don't know about. So they just buy the tour, just thinking that it is what it is, but it is actually, it's up to you. Um, and, and you can really call the shots. That's, that curation, I believe, in my heart, would be what I would be paying for more than the access. How much would you pay to walk down Main Street? Disney Adventure Vlogs trying to uh, get me to pontificate on the new Fresh Bake video. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Real talk, I don't want to walk down Main Street right now. I want them to keep it closed. I already expressed those feelings. If they did do it, what's the price I'd be willing to pay? I do $100 not thinking about it. I do 200 bucks not thinking about it. Probably the tipping point for me and my finances where I'd be like, oh, I don't know, $499. Anything over $500, I'd really have to pump the brakes and think about it. But if they did a walking tour of Disneyland or a way to go inside that was sub 500 bucks, <laughs> yeah, I'd pay that. And not that I'm wealthy, but uh, I have $1,400 sitting here that I want to give Disneyland for my AP. So uh, what do you got for me, guys? Yeah, it's not a humble brag. Get out of here. Kingston, question. Even though we now know Rainforest Cafe is going to be Star Wars Trading Post, what would you have done with the space? I personally wanted something more activity experience-based. Oh, man, that's a great question. I'm I'm pretty cool with the Star Wars experience. Like, I'm, I'm actually really happy with that because I understand the need for them to move Batuu merchandise while people can't get to Batuu because their pre-orders must have been insane. Uh, as far as experience goes, right now is a really, really hard time to do anything experiential because of the the, the current state of where we're living, you know, the, the affair, like the way that public health concerns are right now. So if it were anything else, Kingston, it would be shut down. You know, it, if it were anything other than a store, it would be a no-fly zone. So... I, I believe looking into the logical crystal ball, the store will be an experiment on making experiential. I just did a video that I dropped yesterday looking at the Lego store, uh, which nobody watched. And um, the Lego store video was me looking at, hey, Lego store is one of the original tenants. Lego store has been there for 20 years and it does a really great job of being at the crossroads of commerce and retail and entertainment and experience. Can Disney start doing that more curated experience in that Western end of downtown Disney? So I understand Kingston, you would like something more interactive. I completely agree with you. However, I think that that will have to come in time. So the, the store will be a great learning lesson of, okay, we, we did this during the, the, the pandemic, the pause demic, now that we've got a lot of people iced out because of passes, what can we do with ESPN? What can we do with the massive footprint of the old AMC? What kind of experiential things can we provide for people now that we're open to using this set of land and that we know that it, that it works and there's a demand for it. So I agree with what you're hoping for. I just think, buddy, 
a little bit of patience and time. I think what you're looking for, California and Disneyland just can't handle at this particular moment. But great question. Dusty Ray, you and Fresh Bake are two Disney influencers. Hands down, Ooh. saw you on Wednesday night, Ooh. drove Lambo there with my four boys, Corona life. <laughs> If you saw me there on the windy night, then why didn't you say hi, Dusty Ray? If you guys see me at the resort, always make sure you say hi to me. People are like, oh, I saw you all the time. I didn't want to interrupt. You're not interrupting. You're my friends. Don't know what else to say that, Dusty Ray, other than thank you so much for the super chat. And uh, if you drove the Lambo there, then, hey, super chat seems a little light. (laughs) <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you so much, bud. Make sure next time, Dusty, you come up to me and 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 say hey. My friend uh Rob Anderson drops the 1313. Gracias. If Disney were to hire you for consulting, what would you work on first? No COVID protocol answers. Uh what would I work on first if I was doing consulting for Disneyland? I mean, I don't know. I think really I would want to work with them on the new annual pass program. I would want to work with them on a way to uh, keep people going. Uh, I would want to focus on a way to service people that are going to feel left behind. So I think right now the biggest obstacle is the the future of the AP program and, how, and what that looks like. So I would love to have influence on that. Uh, I also would love to be a part of the planning of what's next in the western edge of downtown Disney because I think that I have – pretty good ideas on how that can be a, a a good bridge to sort of help the resort get through the next decade of this transformational decade that we're going to be going on. But if I'm really being honest, I would love to consult on where the benches go. Let me, let me pick the home of the benches and I will be well, one happy benchmark. Dusty says, cause I had a two year old and was leaving. Okay. Two year old that's done. Dusty. I, I, Say no more, caller. Say no more. <laughs> Albert says, I wish Rocket from the Crypt. Is that what you're talking about? The punk band Rocket from the Crypt? Absolutely love RFC. He says, I wish Rainforest Cafe would come back, but that will not happen. ESPN Zone should come back, but that's not going to happen. If Star Wars Galaxy Edge store opens, I hope it's a restaurant experience. Albert, it will be a store. It will probably be a small store, but it will be a learning experience towards the future. Um, I've actually seen a lot of people say that they were hoping the Rainforest Cafe would come back. That's a no-fly zone for me. I, I I hate seeing animals in any other state than in the wild. So if I'm eating and there's like a giant fish tank across from me, I'm just depressed the entire time. Like, You know why? Because I watched all these stupid Disney movies when I was a kid, and now I've attached all these emotions to all these animals, and I think it broke me for the rest of my life. I really think that it did. All right. <laughs> Look at this guy. He said he drove a Lambo, and I said that your four ninety nine chat was too small. Being funny guy, and then he hits me with a forty nine ninety nine. <laughs> you should be an ambassador, Disney influencers. By the way, only didn't say hi because two year old was ready to go. Yeah, we already addressed two year olds ready to go. You go and you go fast, and everybody thanks you. Um, I would love to be an ambassador for Disney, but it would never, it would never happen to I'm too rough around the edges, but I, I, I love this. I love being the guy that nobody would think that loves the park the way that I do. Like it's my origins from being like in the punk scene and working at a record label and being in a band and being like a, a poster artist. Like I'm not the guy that's supposed to love it this much. And I, I love being an outsider on this mainstream content Dusty, you're insane. Uh, thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate that. You obviously have a great sense of humor. <laughs> oh, let me see what my bud Raymond is saying again. Dr. Raymond, paging Dr. Raymond. Besides balconies, it seems there are nearly infinite architecture features to elaborate on. Even the lowly pavement. Is that on your content radar? Oh, Raymond, buddy, I have a couple of different DCA videos that are so hyper into details that they're absolutely insane. And probably fewer people will watch them than watch my balcony video, which was a huge disaster. So what I'm trying to do right now with my content strategy, because I am the smallest Disneyland channel um, that posts regularly, uh, I'm trying to hit a balance of 
each month I try to sneak out a couple of videos. That's the type of content I want to do when I'm bigger, when I can justify the time. So the balcony video was the December chance of like, am I big enough yet? And the answer is no, no, I'm not. No, I, I got a lot of growing to do, but if you've ever gone back into my archives and watched my video, Disneyland rocks or, um, animated the future of Disney animatronics that gives you a very strong idea of where I originally wanted this channel to go. But that amount of work, uh, when you're a nobody is an insane amount of work. And it, if it doesn't generate the results, then you're never, ever going to grow. And I do need to grow and make some money here, or I will have to grow away from all of this. So right now I'm trying to do a balancing act of easy, fast, um, SEO friendly videos so that I can catch a wave of, of new subscribers. And whenever I have the comfort zone, I'll slide in one of those future of the channel videos where I want this to be a space where it really does embark on the design, the imagination and, and the magic of Disney. It's just, you have to have a certain amount of like baseline of subs to watch the type of stuff that nobody really <laughs> to, to watch the type of stuff that, um, that nobody's really asking for. Now, when you make it, people enjoy it, but if people aren't asking for it, then it's a tree falling in the woods. So I got to walk that, that, that tightrope. Um, Rob Anderson hitting me up with another super chat today. Rob, you've always been such a great supporter of my content. COT. Can someone get me a quick Photoshop job of Ricky and Bernie on the Disneyland bench? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, COT stands for Circle of Trust, which is my subscriber platform for my podcast that has over 1,300 episodes that I have produced, interviewing all kinds of amazing creatives of all walks of life. Um, and what I'm going to be doing later this year with 1313 is going to be like the COT, but for my Disneyland community. Uh, and this show that we're doing right now, eventually, some of you will pop up on that video screen and and do this weekly show with me and ask me questions or, or co-host on a topic that I feel that you're a good fit for. And 1313 members will every Friday get a podcast version of this conversation. So what we're doing here right now is just sort of kicking the tires on future channel growth. And uh, I'm, I'm always up to no good. I'm always up to no good. I'm always trying to make something here. Uh, I'm grinding as hard and as fast as I can to build this channel and to build this community. Um, on the time and the budget that I have available. Albert says 65 year old kid that loves Disneyland. Yeah, man, you're my hero. I, I hope to be you many years. Uh, when my brother and, and family went in 61 saw uncle Walt. Oh my gosh. What? Take me, take me in a time machine. When I retire, I'm looking to retire and get a job there. Albert, I'm going to put you down on my resume when I apply to get a job there because my retirement goal is I just want to be a janitor at Disneyland. I just want to sweep trash and have somebody be like, oh, excuse me, sir, how do we get to the galaxy's edge? And I want to say, well, first thing you need to do, ma'am, is you need to be open to imagination and magic. But the next thing you need to do is you need to follow Adventureland until you feel like you can go no more. And veer over to the right. And when the trees start talking to you after you went through the tunnel that sounds like you've gone into heaven, then you know you're there. Like, I just can't wait to be the sage, old, wise guy um, sweeping trash. But first, I got to get older. And I also got to get sager. And I also got to get wiser. All right. I think we have come to the end of our oh, Sweep Spot podcast. Yeah, buddy. See, see, Sweep Spot podcast is like, you know, you meet these weirdos in, in L.A. that are like, 30 and they've already retired. That was sweep spot. He was already done my retirement job. He, they've already done the janitor job and they're probably like this moron is romanticizing it way more than what it is. Wait till you have to clean up puke bricky behind King Arthur's carousel. The union change your, your, your song and your dance. Okay. Last question here. Uh, which will be your first and second ride in the park? First ride in the park. What will be the first thing that I'll want to do? Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. First and second ride I want to do in the park. I want to do. I don't even think it matters the order. I'll let the amount of traffic and Amanda Moran. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. I'll, I'll let the, the, the day take me, but that first day I go to Disneyland, you better bet your, your bottom 
that I'm going to do a lap on the Disneyland Railroad, and I'm also going to do a lap around Rivers of America and Mark Twain, one of my top five attractions. I grew up on the banks of the Ohio River. As a kid, I heard the steamships going up and down the river. This makes me sound like I'm from Mark Twain times, but it's something that still happens. And uh, I I will be um, for sure doing those two uh, attractions because I love them so much. And in DCA, I want to ride this guy, Weatherman Point. I want to ride the fun wheel, not the swinging carts. I'm going to ride the swinging carts one day if my channel is ever big Woo. enough and people care about me and I could like raise money for charity. I'm going to, there's a couple of things I have on a list to do for charity. And one of those things is to ride the swinging gondolas for charity because man, oh man, I would hate that so much, but you would love my misery. So one of these days, when there's a worthy cause, I will write the swinging gun list to try to raise money, which is funny because some people just do it because it's Tuesday. Dusty says, do you see Main Street Retail or Avengers Campus DC Retail opening next? Sorry, horrible read there. Um, I think there's a greater chance of the web store opening than Main Street. I could see them opening up web because it's on the flanked on the edge of Avengers Campus. Almost like if you've ever lived in a big city like... Um, New York City or, you know, I lived in Toronto, uh, Canada for years. No, I'm not Canadian. And um, they build this like building that says affordable condos coming soon. And uh, and then eventually that gets taken away. I could see Webb being the welcome center for Avengers Campus. I could also see them doing a cool like design pattern, like looking for recruits coming November 21. I could see Webb opening as part of DCA way sooner than I see Main Street opening. That's just my guess. The longer they remain closed, the more that becomes a possibility. Uh, hey, look at there. Philander jumping in, jumping into the mix. My homie Philander, uh, one of the greatest friendships I've made out of Disneyland, and I love that Philander and I do illustrate that Disneyland is a thriving real community where people go there and their mutual love of Disneyland does create friendships outside of the park. 2020, the greatest thing that happened to me, sorry, 2019, the greatest thing that happened to me was I finally found my Disneyland community. I found a fellow bunch of other professionals, same age uh, bracket as I'm in, all doing something at a high level of professionalism, all have that sort of level-headed approach. We all became friends and our friendship wraps around that we love getting together and taking a lap around Disneyland. Um, Dusty Ray says it's deserved. Half these Disney guys are, are clickbait. You rock. We need to fund the positive and, and true energy to put in. I, I sincerely appreciate that. I'm, I'm working very, very hard to build what I hope to be uh, a, a very good Disneyland YouTube channel, Disneyland content only. And we will get there. Um, five of my employees crowd around me watching now too. Well, Hey, if, if Dusty's not working, then why should you have to? All right, I'm going to leave it there right now. And thank you guys so much for, for showing up and, and having all this fun with me. Thank you so much for the super chats. I sincerely appreciate it. And friends, uh, I will see you back on the channel with more videos, but I'll also see you here next Friday when we do this all over again. And if you just could do me a solid, like, just maybe share my channel or my podcast with a friend. I can only build this if you help me. I cannot not do it alone. And um, I would really, really appreciate that. There you go, friends. There was episode three of the 13th hour. Still figuring out the show's format, but I thought that this FAQ, this AMA, would be a really, really good thing to put over on the airwave just so you could kind of get a flavor of what it's like to hang out ask questions and that uh i'm really trying hard to make the live stream a, a professional form of media over on youtube I've, I've been burned so many times by seeing the comment and be like whoa they're going to talk about tomorrowland and then somehow they can't stay on focus they can never get to talk about tomorrowland and i'm just sitting there watching a video at 2x speed waiting for it to start so try really hard to bring over a level of professionalism you know, there are moments where I stop and say hi to everybody in the chat because that's important. But ultimately, the content needs to be king and that needs to be treated with a lot of respect. And if I tell you we're going to talk about a topic, 
we're going to get to that topic. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I know it's a little bit different, but I thought it would be a really good time to sort of get you involved and let you know that the 13th hour is something you'll probably want to check out and something that I'm building for you, hopefully my soon community of members of Club 1313. All right, I will see you back here next Wednesday with another Disneyland for Designers. Next week, Philander's back. We are doing a celebration of DCA turning 20. What an epic milestone that is for that park in a moment where I believe, even though it's a sad time in the world, I do believe that that park is really shining bright right now as it's writing its own pages of its history, very separate from Disneyland. We'll be doing that next week in Friends. Until the next time I can see you on the 13th hour, I'll see you back here on the podcast or over on the YouTube channel, Adventures in Design on YouTube, talking about more Disneyland news. Thank you so much for showing up. I always sincerely appreciate it.